Welcome to the Astra Economic Week in Review. My name is John Eckstein. I'm the Chief Investment Officer of Astra Investment Management. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Rob Stein. Rob, hello. Hi, John. Good to be here today. Today is Friday, the 10th of March, a little bit after the payroll report came out, the employment situation report, and the Aster IC meeting, where we consider the employment situation report. And uh, we're here to talk about the state of the labor market and what it means for the Fed. So I'm going to jump in and summarize the release. The release was mainly strong. There is a little bit, if you wanted to read weakness in, you could read weakness in. If you wanted to read strength in, you could read strength in. But it's mainly, I'm going to call it mainly strong. The change in non-farm payrolls was 311,000. Last month's extremely strong number was only slightly revised. Unemployment rate picked up 3.4 to 3.6. I'm going to say that that is a good unemployment rate increase, meaning that people were returning to the labor force, not getting fired. Hourly earnings was up 2%, 2,001% month on month. I have an asterisk about that later. And then notably, labor force participation rate, prime age, employment population ratio, those are all back to their highs. So that is good. And overall, I'm going to say that the state of the labor market is quite strong. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, uh, 311,000 revisions. I look at those kind of irrelevant from a 500,000 report. Interesting. Well, the three, a, lot of, the, a lot of people were thinking, oh, gosh, you know, maybe this. In January, the number came out 500 and we we're expecting 250. And people were like, oh, that's going to get revised away next month. And I, I, no, I, I was not suggesting that it was nothing because of what the expectation was, but it meaning it was very little to derail that oh, number. Yeah. And interesting is the three-month and six-month average is right around 300,000, give or take. And now we're starting to hit the average line. But the only thing and we'll have to see in the next couple of reports is 200,000, 300,000 going to start to look like a weak number when you have 500,000, 300,000, 50,000 revisions, plus or minus zero. So based on how we view the world, John, there's a scenario where job growth still hits our model as a drag on economic acceleration. And I think that's what we're going to see. I think that dipping negative after a 500,000 and a 300,000 this year would be a bit of a surprise uh, from where we are at this point, but it's not so sure we get a revision or two coming in, you know, May or June, the number kind of creeping to 200,000. You get some announced layoffs that are expected to happen in a few months after that. And you get some weaker growth numbers and it starts to turn the economy softer. Yeah, well, that's the big question, right? Is like, this is going to be the most anticipated recession in history, right? We've been talking about it. We've been wringing our hands about the recession of 2022 for 18 months now. And we haven't gotten it yet. And will we? And get it's it? possible that the way the economy is structured, how you feel a recession is very different. Now, I'm from the camp, you can't really feel a recession if you don't have high unemployment, but there's- yeah, you know, Without unemployment, without people getting fired, like I'm not going to call it a recession, frankly. No, but what if a particular sector has double digit or 8% unemployment from it or has lost, not 8%, but has lost a tremendous amount of jobs in that particular sector, but the rest of the economy is holding up? 
Maybe it's um, just that's one of the vagaries of capitalism, right? Like that actually happened when was that twenty fifteen? Yeah, the energy sector and the auto sector uh, a few years ago too. Yeah, we had an energy sector recession, and yeah. Th so that's my but point. The other, the, other I, thing, I, the other thing that's worth mentioning for the payroll is that we've beaten the expectations for eleven straight months. Do you think economists are going to get their act together? I think no. I, think they're going to keep I, I, I agree. They, they had their chance, right? So <laughs> they or we, um, we. <laughs> right? Yes, we're in that camp. Although we don't predict. You know how come we get it right? Because we t say what the non-farm payroll numbers was at eight thirty-one central time. Instead of eight thirty-one, exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. So we have a higher probability of getting it right, but but higher rates, and we'll probably talk about that in a little while. I think haven't seeped its way through yet, so we'll start to see some of that. I mean, it's basically one year to the week from the first rate hike. And I think if we are going to have a recession, we're going to start to see some cracks in Q2. The proverbial one-year lag is here and the yield curve is inverted. If we're going to start to see things in this much anticipated recession, we probably will start seeing them in the next quarter. Yeah, sort of. There's a couple of sub-series that I look at so one is the employment and temporary help services. You know, a temp, it's easier to not rehire a temp than it is to fire Steve or whatever. And that is not showing a decline like it typically does. You'll see nice gentle declines before, you know, that come into place well before the 01 or the 08 recessions. And you see it, maybe it, you could say, I'm going to say maybe it's peaked, maybe it's you know plateauing, but... It's not going down yet. And then the other one I wanted to highlight was construction. Because one part of the economy which has taken a hit is real estate, of course, right? With uh, higher mortgage rates, so there's everything into a tussle. But construction employment kind of tools right along. Part of that might be weather-related. We had an extremely mild January and February in the more populated parts of the country. I mean, I know that we're actually getting record snow out in Utah, but a lot more people live in New York. Yes. Uh, so that could be one story, right? Is that construction had some jobs in some sense pull forward, and we won't see the hiring that you'd expect in the late spring in New mm -hmm. York. And digging- Yeah, I, I was surprised. I was saying, you know, we added about 20, 25,000 jobs in construction last month, February. And it's, been totally, it's been totally solid, right? Like it's a straight line going up. It doesn't look like it, it's taken any heat from the rate hikes. No. And if you dig into the way they calculate new houses, some interesting things have gone on. So like there was a huge surge in houses that have been sold that were under construction. So like Toll Brothers or whatever builds a house. They lay the foundation, they put up the framing, and then they sell it to you, and then they finish it. Or they even just draw the permits, I think. They can call that under construction. So that's been very high, and it's been coming down in 2022 as fewer people are buying houses, and the constraints of the supply chain have eased up. So they've been working through those houses under construction, already sold houses under construction, though it's still higher than it was in 2016 or 2019. And the houses that have sold and have not been started yet have started to perk up a little bit. And the completed houses are coming down at a more normal level. So there's still sort of built in stuff for construction workers to do, at least in the residential housing sector. 
Right. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see for how long that's the case. It, you know, we can move on from employment, but what's also interesting to note is continuing claims, jobless claims. Those aren't really as supportive of the number we got today. I, I think continuing claims is near its two-year high, I think. I'm, yeah, it's two-year high is very, very low, though. <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, <laughs> it is. You know, you're right. But it's still going in that direction. I'm not advocating that we're going to start to see these bad numbers. I'm leaning towards that way, but we'll wait and see. Construction is interesting. How you define what's happening in the housing market clearly makes sense. The question is, can it sustain? You know, the interesting thing, moving on to like what the stock market is saying, it's kind of going up and down nowhere. It's equally to be up 400 points in the Dow in a given day as it is down. And you look around, and at the end of the weeks, we're kind of back to where we were last week or back to where we were the other, the other week. The, the market's not really giving much. Yeah, well, actually, like we're exactly where we were 10 months ago, right? Like 10 months ago, we were at 3,800 in the S&P, and today we're at 3,800 in the S&P. So there's been a lot of action since then, but kind of a lot of, of nothing, which I know is sort of your thesis for the next few years. Yeah, every price trades twice. Between now and <laughs> but this, one, this one is trading 17 times. <laughs> yeah. My chips off. So anyway, moving on to some of the other interesting data. Yeah, I did say I had an asterisk about average hourly earnings being modest. So that number is not adjusted for composition. So like basically what has happened is that we've been hiring low wage people and not hiring high wage people, right? So information services, net losing jobs last month, Legion Hospitality, the lowest sector, lowest page sector, gaining lots of jobs last month. So that sort of mechanically makes the average hourly wage. So that's not exactly what you want to know, right? Like you want to know is that if I stayed at my job at Marriott, like what is my average hourly earnings doing? And so we, unfortunately, we don't get those until we get another report, which only comes out quarterly. But that is moving in the in the right direction. And the question is, is the overall state of the economy, what is the Fed going to do? The Fed meets in two weeks, 11 days, I think. And the CPI is out next Tuesday. So they had a CPI before then. So there's two questions. One, let's say what we would do, because that gets that sort of out of the way. And then we'd say what the Fed's going to do. And well, I might actually be talking myself into having the Fed have a money. <laughs> we'll see. I'm mean, making 25 basis points on the basis of continued strength, but a lot depends on the, how the CPI number comes out. Do you have any Fed predictions? Oh, yeah, I think they're going to hike 25, and there's maybe a, uh, I think there's very low chance of nothing. I, I think they're going to hike. I, I don't, pardon? Could it be 50, though? Yeah. So I was going to say, I think 25 with a 25, 30% chance that it's 50. I, I'm thinking it's it's a little slow down here. And not because of a single event changes what the Fed's doing with what happened this week with SVB Bank. But I do think they want to continue to hike longer, that they're not turning back and cutting at the end of the year. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did these 25s now, but continued it longer until they really got comfortable rather than 50, but we're cutting in December. That doesn't make so much sense to me. Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing Powell has been saying is that for the last few press conferences is that we're at a restrictive level. And if you're at a restrictive level, then you can feel better about taking your time, right? 
the summer, when you think that rates were still accommodative or stimulative, then that makes hiking more urgent. I agree with you. So you think 25 or you think 50? I think 25. I think they go 25 for a while. Uh, right now, expectations CPI are four tenths of 1% in February. Same thing for core. Year-over-year core, 5.5 versus 5.6 last month. So if the CPI comes in at expectations and if it doesn't look like it's accelerating again, then yeah, 25. Mm -hmm. I think if CPI comes in hot, that could make it 50. Yeah. A big, exciting period for the two years, given how much they've moved around the last couple of days. Yeah, they're fun. Well, they're fun like the old days. You know, I think that all eyes are on the Fed as it's been. Agreed with that. Earnings is something we haven't talked about in a while. Corporate earnings have higher rates started to impact that yet. And is that going to be something that leads a higher unemployment rate? Yeah. I mean, well, corporations have been finding a lot of pricing power, right? So it, at least that's been keeping sort of a floor on earnings. I mean, we'll have to say, I don't think this wasn't a terrific quarter for earnings, right? We'll see how they evolve. Like one thing I think is interesting though, is if you look at the percentage of people who are in delinquency, the number to entrance to delinquency on loans, basically all delinquencies dropped a lot during the pandemic as low wage people support. And now in the last, I don't know, like three, six months, they have started to tick up. They're still at very low levels, but that could be going the wrong direction. Feels like that. I think we leave it there, Rob. If you would like more information about Aster, you can reach out to your Aster sales representative or check out the Aster website, asterim, that's I-M, investmentmanagement.com. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, John. Cheers. To learn more about Aster Investment Management's research and strategies, please visit us on the web at www.asterim.com or stay up to date by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you. Aster Investment Management, LLC, is a SEC-registered investment advisor. All information contained herein is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation to offer investment advice or services in any state where to do so would be unlawful. Analysis and research are provided for informational purposes only, not for trading or investing purposes. All opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and subject to change. They are not intended as investment recommendations.